Welcome back to the podcast. So stoked you are here today. I'm your host, Rob Massey, and this is episode 36 of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. Today is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, bit of a different episode. My partner and I are moving houses, dealing with landlord issues at our old place, unpacking, and when you listen to this episode, we'll have just gotten home from a two-day backpacking trip that was booked before we decided to move. So there is a lot going on over here. But this podcast and getting information out to you every Monday is my promise to you. And I'm not breaking that promise. So here we go. One of the great things that did happen in the last week in this busy, busy, busy week of stressing and moving and all that kind of fun stuff is I finally got my hands on a physical Canon EOS R5, the company's new flagship mirrorless camera. I haven't actually gotten mine yet, but I got to try one out as part of the Canon's road trip across Canada to show off the R5 and the R6. So today, I'm going to talk about my first impressions using the camera and a few of its new lenses, and give you an idea of what I think of the new RF mount lineup. This podcast is the educational arm of Robert Massey Photography, my content creation firm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We focus on adventure portraiture, which is a chance for us to craft images for remarkable people doing what they love in the grand outdoors. You can follow along on our journey on Instagram at Robert Massey Photography. All right, let's get going with this episode. The Canon R5 and R6 were the widely anticipated full-frame cameras Canon announced a few months ago and started releasing just a couple of months ago to people. The pandemic has affected Canon's timelines on deliverables. Some people have managed to get their hands on them, but most haven't actually received their orders yet. So partly because of this, Canon wanted to give people the chance to test these cameras out, see them in the wild, get their hands on them. So they brought them all across Canada on a road trip and they were here in Calgary for four days. So I got the chance to head down to the Dean House, which is in Calgary's trendy Inglewood area, to test out these cameras. The Dean House is situated on the confluence of two rivers, has a historic community surrounding it, lots of nature, so it really was one of the perfect places to test out this new gear with that blend of nature and urban to get some great shots. Now we only had 30 minutes to test out the gear and ask questions about it, and this isn't really quite enough time, but it had to do because it was really better than what you would typically get in a lot of camera stores. Going into this, I was excitedly nervous about trying out the camera. I'd heard a ton of great things about its stills capabilities. And, of course, all the negatives about the overheating issues in video mode. And I had such high hopes for the camera that I was really hoping it wouldn't disappoint me. And let me get this out of the way very, very quickly. It did not disappoint me at all. It was one of the most intuitive and beautiful cameras I've ever had the pleasure of using. Let's start with the feeling and the ergonomics of it. As you know, I have this huge affinity for the way cameras feel, and this camera feels like a Canon. It instantly felt at home in my hand. The materials, the grip, the way my fingers found buttons, it all felt like a Canon camera, which is a fantastic thing if you, like me, love the way Canons feel. If you don't, probably not going to love the ergonomics of this thing. I could pick it up and right away knew where my back button focus was, where the joystick was. My fingers could just find all the buttons super easily and I could change settings without even thinking about it. There was one small snafu off the top, The previous tester had been trying out the video mode, which takes a moment to figure out how you switch between video and stills because you use a dial and a button press to get out of video mode and take it back into picture mode. But that was about the only snafu I had. Once I got that figured out, we were off and running to take some stills. And honestly, 
I was able to start producing images the way I always have. Changing settings was a breeze. There's even an additional dial that my current Canon doesn't have on it, but that only took a moment to figure out what it did. And then I was adjusting and shooting just like I always have, which is impressive when just picking up a new camera. I've tried that before with a couple of the Sonys and a couple of the Fujis, and it is such a different style of shooting and such a different learning curve that I would have to basically totally go back to the beginning of my photographic knowledge to relearn how to use this camera and where the buttons are, where my hands are going on it. So one of the nice things about this feeling like a Canon to me is that I don't have to relearn buttons and I don't have to relearn locations and how everything functions. Which, when you're pressed for time and shooting quickly in certain environments and you don't really have a chance to stop and think and go, okay, how do I change that setting? I don't remember. No, don't. There's none of that with this. You can just right away jump into it if you've used Canons before and know them like that. Now, some people have mentioned the camera feels too light or too tiny in their hands. Now, I have average sized hands and the camera fits in them really well. The buttons weren't too cramped together and I could reach them all without moving my hands all over the camera. The touch screen worked really well. It was super responsive. Just the thing fits very nicely in my hands. So for me, the camera size is actually pretty excellent. Now, because it is a bit smaller than a standard DSLR, it can feel a bit front heavy when you get big glass on it. I've experienced this a few times with big telephotos, but never with a medium range telephoto. This time, however, I had that happen. The first lens I tried out was the RF 28-70 f2. This is a beast of a lens. It's big, it's heavy, and it takes beautiful photos, even when totally wide open. But the camera isn't super well balanced with it on there. You end up with a lot of the weight in your front hand and end up pulling back on the camera with your other hand just to keep it up and straight. It is a massive deal, but it does feel weird to have that happen with a medium telephoto lens. So for the ergonomics and feel, this thing is beautiful. I can't fault Canon for anything on the way this camera functions, and there are just so many options to customize the buttons and the control ring. You can make it your own and make it work just the way you need it to. Now, what about the actual shooting capabilities? They are smooth. The two big things that blew me away were the eye-tracking AF, human and animal, and the straight-up image quality. Let's start with that image quality. This is a flagship camera, after all, so you should expect it to be insanely good. But when combined with an L-series lens, this camera produces mind-blowing images in terms of quality. They are sharp across the board, with beautiful color rendition and skin tones that look like actual skin tones. The first few images I saw from this camera made me so happy, and that was with zero editing that was fresh imported into Lightroom. One of the most amazing things to me with the RF glass and the new RF mount is the sharpness when shooting totally wide open. I shot a ton of images at f2 and they are wonderfully sharp with a gentle fall off and beautiful background blur. This is a high-end beast of a lens and when combined with the image quality from the R5 you get spectacular looking photos. Part of what also makes this image quality excellent is the dynamic range. You can pull a tremendous amount of detail of the shadows and other highlights to really rebalance a bright or dark image. Of course, that's not something we want to be relying on when we're shooting, but it's nice to know it's there, especially when shooting in really contrasty conditions. Now, the other thing that I really loved about using this R5 was the eye autofocus. We tried it with our heads moving, running, and on birds in flight, and it was terrific. It had no problems keeping up with anything except for the quickest of movements. So a fast turn from a bird or a sudden acceleration and that was when it faltered. And when it did falter, it caught up again very quickly. Now I've used other eye detect AF systems, and the only one I've found that's on par with this is Sony's. So kudos to you for this one, Canon. 
And that's just a few of the things I loved about this R5. But let me get into one of the things that I really didn't like. The electronic viewfinder. Don't get me wrong, it is beautiful and bright and the live view exposure simulation is terrific. But coming from an optical viewfinder, it was weird to watch the world bounce and shift around as you moved quickly from spot to spot. That's because it took a moment for the camera and the screen to catch up to where I was moving to. And this is really strange when coming from an optical one because it just moves in front of you and you're just seeing the world as you move stuff around. But with the electronic viewfinder, it needs to register that you're moving it. So there's probably a half second, maybe a quarter second delay as you're moving. And it takes a little bit to get used to. I didn't really notice it by the time I was done shooting. So I think my brain and my eye and everything else just adjusted. But it was definitely one of the more difficult things to get used to with this camera. And I can really see that impacting people who shoot sports, who shoot things that turn really quickly or move really fast. I can actually see an electronic viewfinder being a not an issue per se, but something that would take a lot to get used to in terms of shooting if you're moving over from an optical one. I didn't test the video modes on this camera. Not really my thing at the moment. So I can't comment on the overheating issues that seem to be a big problem for some. For still shooter, overheating isn't a problem at all. So if you shoot primarily still images, don't be concerned about using this camera. All right, let's talk quickly about the lenses I tested. I already mentioned the RF 28-70 f2. This is a huge, heavy lens. When I first picked it up, I couldn't ever see myself carrying it around to shoot every day or putting it in a bag to travel and explore with. But the more I used it, the more I started to see this lens as a replacement for some primes. You don't really need a 35mm or 50mm prime in your bag unless you need that extra little bit of light that they typically offer. That's how sharp this 28-70 f2 really is, and that's how beautiful the images turn out. Now, the trade-off is how huge and bulky this thing is. It's a monster. It weighs over 3 pounds and has a 95mm filter thread on the front. That is huge. And its price? Well, it'll cost you nearly $4,000 Canadian. So there's that factor to throw in there too. One of the Canon pro shooters at the booth said that this lens is his go-to commercial lens. He mostly just leaves the primes in his kit bag now and shoots with this monster. And I understand why after getting the chance to use it. But that price and that weight will definitely discourage some. Now, the other lens I got to test out was the RF 100-500 zoom lens. This is a variable aperture lens from f4.5 to 7.1. I didn't really think I'd like having a lens that topped out at f7.1 on the very long end of it. But I honestly didn't really notice. This didn't impact my shooting at all in the way I was using it, and I could create some very cool compressed landscape images and capture birds in flight super easily. It doesn't have the same constant low aperture, so there isn't as much glass in it, but even knowing that I was blown away with just how light and nimble this lens felt. I can see being able to go out for a long day of shooting and my arm not wearing out really at all. Now one of the things that really bugged me about this lens was how you lock the barrel in place. It's just a little spin dial on the lens, but it felt cumbersome and it would occasionally slow down my shooting. Without locking the barrel down, this lens suffers horrid lens creep where the lens barrel moves out when it's being pulled on by gravity. So it is a necessity to lock it in place, but it can just be annoying at times. But once again, the image quality and the sharpness are hard to beat, and I'm loving the way the overall images look coming out of this lens, and that 100 to 500 range gives you such versatility. Overall, I am absolutely blown away by the R5, and honestly the whole RF system. From the outside looking in, 
I was in love with their innovation and ingenuity and the lenses they were creating. But after having gotten them in my hands, I can honestly say this is one of the best cameras and camera systems I have ever used. Fantastic job, Canon. These new fun lenses that they're creating, these new ingenious lenses they're creating, they're not just for show. They're not just to show off some new R&D. They're actual beautiful pieces of glass and they function amazingly well. They have created just new things entirely in the photography world. Now, I do need to actually get mine so that I can start creating some beauty content with it. And that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm happy you took some time to increase your photographic knowledge with me. If you've got questions or anything you want to learn about, send me a message. You can get a hold of me on Instagram at Travel Adventure Photo School, where we also post near daily photography tips, or at Robert Massey Photography, also on Instagram. You can also find the full show notes for this episode and all the other episodes online at travel and adventure photography school.com. Let's adventure. Bye for now.